in today's show. We're deep diving into some NBA draft prospects with Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Well, today marks the start of our prospect deep dives. I'll tell you who we're going to talk about today, Jalen Duran. We're going to talk about EJ Liddell, John Montero, among others. And we're going to be doing that with Mark Schindler of Basketball News, or you may have heard him on the Athletic NBA show as well. You may have seen him on Twitter, MG underscore Schindler. We'll talk to him in a minute or two. What do you think about those three guys? They're the major three guys we're going to talk about today. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking Dynasty Rookies with Matt Lawson. So be ready for that. If you are on YouTube, drop it down in the comments below. Do you think Jalen Duran is a top 10 pick? Leave that comment below. I want to see what you think. Jalen Duran should be top X. Fill in the blank. Write that down in the comments below. I do have something I've got to ask you guys, though. Um, we've got a survey here at Locked On. We can learn more about listeners like you, and we can make uh, all the Locked On podcasts even better. It's your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. Right now to get started, won't take long, and everyone that completes a survey gets to qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So take the audience survey, go to lockedonpodcasts.com slash survey. Hey, thanks a lot for your help. All right, so let's bring him in now. First time on the show, Mark Schindler, welcome. Josh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's good to be able to dig into some of these NBA draft prospects. It's also good to have you on the show. You've been uh, covering this uh, this draft and getting into these prospects for a while now. So I'm going to pick your brain on a bunch of these guys. And what I'm going to do with all of these people who come on the show and, and talk about these prospects in depth is go to them and say, okay, who's one guy that you are higher on, a guy that you go into bat for more than a general consensus, whether that's um, your big site, TV, mock drafts, you know, niche, NBA draft, Twitter, whoever it is. Who's your guy? Mark, who's your guy? Uh, I, I mean, I think my guy right now has to be AJ Liddell. I'm, I'm really excited about who he can be uh, in the NBA. You know, out of Ohio State, he's more of a combo big uh, at 6'7", but really, really good length. Um, I think he just provides a lot of interesting things uh, in the modern NBA that, that, that I see really translating. Would one of those things be the fact that he averaged 2.6 blocks per game at like six foot seven? That would definitely be part of it. Uh, so it's interesting because he's more of a, he has to really load up to, to, to get off the ground quickly, but he's an exceptional leaper. And especially like he's not somebody you're going to project as a primary rim protector. If he was, then I'd have more questions about what his load time is like. But especially considering he's making his plays off the ball, playing more as a weak side guy, and potentially has some utility as more of a small ball big. Um, I really like what that could look like for him. I mean, he went from last year, like he's always been pretty athletic, but last year he went from um, somebody who could really 
be pretty impactful off the ball to this year being like the most impactful um, non-center off the ball in college. So we've got, yeah, right at the top of the draft, we've got you know, Smith and Bunkero and Chet, if you want to call him a four. Um, you know, Keegan Murray probably is a four as well. Does Liddell, to you, slide in behind those guys in terms of the best power forward fours in the draft? Yeah, how does he compare with, with other guys who will play that position? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different because uh, I, I do think in some ways age can be uh, really finicky and, and sometimes made up a little bit too much. But I think he slots in right behind them, you know, around the same area, probably just slightly below Jeremy Sohan and, and Tarius. And it's obviously dependent on team. I think, you know, for EJ could be somebody who makes a lot more sense for a team right now, a team that doesn't really have time to wait for ancillary skills to develop. Um, but I think that's also something, and it's something you mentioned in a, in a draft review as well. Like he's somebody who can come in and play right away. Like he's one of the guys that I look at in this draft class if he ends up starting games his rookie year, I don't think I would be super surprised. I think a lot's going to depend on what the shot looks like. I, I have a lot of faith in the shot. Um, but, I mean, he comes in automatically and, and is going to be an impactful player. In my mock that I did at the start of this week, I had him at 18 to the Bulls. Is that too low, too high for you? What, how do you view that? I think that's perfect, honestly. Like, I view him as like, I, I mean, I'm not saying I would take him there, but I could understand if a team, if a team maybe took him late lottery. You know, I think that uh, just looking at the kind of player that he is and what he could bring, I think that there's some sense there. Uh, but I'd imagine, you know, just based on how everything's looked, it's going to be late teens, probably early 20s as well. But especially a team like the Bulls, who is very much in need of this kind of player, especially for rotational depth, he makes a lot of sense. When you look, when you look through his numbers and you try and pick out, you know, where's the weakness? It doesn't really stand out. Like he averaged almost 20 points per game. He had a true shooting of 60. He hit 37% from three. He hit his free throw as well. Um, yeah, he averaged two and a half assists. What What's the thing that he needs to work on? He got to the line at a really good rate as well, like 53% free throw attempt rate, which is a really big number. What's the thing that you worry about as he enters the NBA? I think it's less worry and more just I'm interested to see what happens. I think part of the reason I'm higher on him is I view him as a better passer than I think consensus does. Um, like a lot of his reps came out of the post this year. Um, and he, I don't, I, I don't want to say that he misses reads. Like obviously like in game, I think there are reads that he misses, but also part of that is he just was so strong and capable of bullying people in the post where he would be willing to take on a two on one or, or be willing to um, just pass up an open look in order to take something more contested himself. I think that's going to change at the next level. We also really didn't get to see him as much as a pick and roll role man, as I, I, I think we're going to see in the NBA, because I think where his passing and his court vision could really translate is being used as a role man and getting to do one or two dribbles off the balance, and make a quick pass to the corner. Um, so I think a, a lot's just going to depend on how, how does that develop for him? How quickly does he process the court in new areas? Um, that's going to be the biggest thing for him, in my opinion. Last question on Liddell. Um, when I did my mock draft on Monday, I spoke about you know really trying to prioritize wings in that you know six four to mm -hmm. or six five to six ten sort of range that are switchy, that can play in the playoffs, that can defend multiple positions, that can provide a little bit of offense. And to me, he fits right in there. Yeah, six foot seven, switchable forward, can protect the rim, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, ESPN's top one hundred has him thirty eighth. The Tankathon mock draft has him twenty sixth. Are you seeing or are you thinking NBA teams are going to be leaning more towards well, let's get wings, let's get forwards in versus you know, just pure, I guess, talent, so to speak, where some of these other sites have him pushed way down? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's it's a it's interesting based on just line of thought. You know, I think a lot of it's going to become 
what does a team ultimately think of him? Like, I, I think especially for a team that needs more saying immediate help, strongly to put it like, I think he's, he's still clearly a prospect, but he's somebody who I think has a floor already that, that can help at the next level. Like there's somebody like Nikola Jovic is someone who I would probably have over EJ, but also Nikola Jovic is not ready to help at the NBA level right now, in my opinion, at least not to that level of the winning basketball. Like I think, um, if you're a team like, let's say the Bucs, like 24 is not a reach in the slightest, but I think the Bucs could definitely be a team that looks at him and goes like, hey, we could use another guy like this. I don't think that's not they need more shot creation than anything else. But um, like you're mentioning, I, I think especially for somebody who I think will probably uh, do pretty well in interviews, um, I could imagine a team being like, hey, this fits what what we view modern basketball to be. And he makes a lot of sense for us. Before we get on and talk about who the player is that you're under on compared to consensus, I've got to tell you guys about Built Bar. Now, Built Bar's got a new product out. It's called Built Bar Granola. Now, Mark, you might be able to help me. What's granola? Because as, as an Australian, I, don't, I think it's a muesli bar, which is what we call it. What's granola? Uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure I know sometimes. Uh, I think the best way to put it, it's sugar uh, in America is is probably the best way to put it. Uh, corn, corn syrup, high fructose. Anyway, I'm sure exactly. Built Bar doesn't have any of that because Built Bar we know is low in sugar. It's low in fat. It's low in carbs. It's low in calories, but it is high in protein. In fact, people have been asking for granola bars apparently from Built Bar this whole time and now they have come out and they have delivered in three flavors, chocolate, peanut butter, chocolate, coconut, and white chocolate berry. If you want to try all three flavors, bang, they've got it covered for you in a mixed box of their new built granola bars 150 calories in a bar 15 grams of protein and just four grams of sugar it will change your world that must be a pretty powerful granola bar so if you've been waiting for this healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market here it is built.com is where you need to go get the built granola bars try those flavors don't miss out go to built.com use the code locked 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 you'll save 15 percent off your order built bar is built different Let's talk about someone who maybe is built different, but according to you, maybe is not built different. And that is the guard from Overtime Elite, Jean Montero, six foot two guard. I talked yesterday with Rafael Barlow about the challenges in scouting brought about by the introduction of G League Ignite, the rise of the NBL as a prospect pathway and Overtime Elite. Why are you down on Montero? Yeah, it sounds harsh. Like it's it's less down. I think it's more just I'm I'm not sure what to make of him. Um, like he obviously was very productive at overtime elite. I, I think that he does some things with the ball in his hands that are really impressive. Like obviously a guard who can create, who can get his shot off. Um, he has really good passing vision and feel. Um, I thought you know watching Nike Hoop Summit, which is you know he was part of the world team at Hoop Summit. You got to see him play against some of the the top prospects in this upcoming class. Um, I just felt in watching that, like, obviously, I, I think 6'2 is a very generous listing for Jean right now. Like, um, I, I just watch him, and I'm, uh, it stands out starkly how small he is. And I, I, I mean, that, that, that definitely worries me a little bit, um, especially, you know, in terms of his actual finishing and getting to the rim. It's less about that. It's more just um, how good he's going to have to be with an outlier with touch, like thinking of somebody like Trey Young and what he's able to do with the ball in his hands a lot of it's because of his outlier quickness and his touch. Um, and not again, not to be unfair to Jean, but he's not that level of passer and scorer. So I think um, obviously it's unfair to project somebody out to being an all NBA guy. But when you have margins that slim, you have to be really darn good to actually be on the floor. Um, and I, I, I don't think that he's going to be uh, close to a defensive positive right now, given where he's at on and off the ball. So I, I definitely think that there's a 
I mean, he's somebody worth drafting for sure. But I think, I've, I mean, he's been mocked up around first round pretty consistently this year. He's dropped a little bit recently, but um, I'm I'm not really quite there with with lottery. I mean, not not lottery with with first round for him because it's not it's not just his height because he's really skinny as well. So yeah, being yeah. small and then not having that bulk to necessarily drive and doesn't have the same. Yeah, you know, John skinny, but you know Montero doesn't have that level of athleticism quite yeah. obviously. How does it impact Montero just in terms of the perceived, I guess, well, you can correct me if this is how I'm perceiving it, the perceived lack of actual point guard talent in this draft. So, yeah, he might be, could, could there be an argument he's the third best point guard in this draft, yet still might not be a first-round player? Does that help him where teams are going, shit, we just need point guards, we need someone who can pass, and there's just no one who can really do that in this class? Like, Where does he sort of fit in that point guard hierarchy, and does that boost his stock just because of the unavailability of those guys man that's a good question i think it's hard because even then like i i mean like kennedy chandler to me is probably the best point guard in the class um because ty ty washington's more of a combo to me and even then i still think I agree. just in terms of guard prospects um but it's hard like i think especially with where basketball is headed and where it has been like obviously guard play is very important but i think we're just seeing more about having as many as many players on the court who can create as, as possible I think my thing would just be John's probably like what's really hard is I think it's harder to look at him and just be like, you can be a bench guy for us because it's harder to envision him slotting alongside off ball. Um, not that he can't improve as, as an off ball scorer, but that's not really his game right now. So um, I, I just think that there's lesser pathways for him if he's not uh, this guy who is able to be a higher usage player on the ball. Can he shoot? He can shoot, but I think right now the question is going to be how good is it going to be off the dribble? Um, that's what makes OTE a little bit interesting. Like, I, I actually think part of what's been cool, like, I think it's a really good setting to see what a guy's feel is, like how they play in an, in an open run and how they handle, um, you know, dealing with new things and decision making. As for actual shooting um, and, and facing real defenses, I'm not, I have no idea how to project that out, just being completely honest. Um, I mean, I think that it's going to be fine, but I don't think it's quite to the level where I'm all that in on him. Yeah, it's going to be the challenge to to be able to work out how do we translate overtime elite production compared mm -hmm. to college, Europe, NBL, G League. Like, where does it fit? How does it make sense? What's the level of competition? All that sort of stuff. And this is really the first time we're getting to see that. And he's probably going to be the first guy, I would guess, from overtime elite drafted. I would say no one else yeah. has come off the board before him. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting test case. Now, we've talked about who you're higher on, who you're lower on. Let's go through some other prospects. And let's go with the guy who's probably going to get picked first out of all these guys we're going to talk about. And that is Jalen Duren, who is, I believe, the youngest player in this draft class. He's doesn't turn 19 until after the season starts. Uh, six foot 11 center from Memphis. Is Okay, let's take Chet out of the discussion. Let's take you know, Paolo out of the discussion as playing small ball center. Is Duren the best center to you in this draft? Yeah, no, 100%. I, I don't think there's a question for me, especially too, like I view Chet as more of a forward than a center. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, like I think other than Chet, uh, Jalen has the second highest defensive ceiling in the class. Like I honestly think there's a, there's a real world where Jalen Duren ends up as a better defensive player than Chet if, if things really pop right. Uh, but I'm also admittedly quite a bit higher than on, on Jalen than I think consensus is right now. See a lot of people, ESPN's got him at number seven, but you, you see him go from 
you know, six or seven to you know, 12 or 13. I don't really see him falling out of the lottery, but it mm. harkens back to the discussion we had with Liddell about you know, versatile forwards and playoff viability of players. Is someone like Jalen Duren someone that you think can be, hey, this is a guy that can play 33 minutes a night in the playoffs, or does he end up becoming similar to what, you know, Clint Capella is, or maybe a worse version of that. Like, you know, where does he, you know, Mitchell Robinson, that is he that sort of a player? Like, where does he sit in terms of being able to switch? Can he get, um, you know, playoff limited, or is he a guy that can actually step up and, and be a guy that plays 35 minutes a night in the playoffs? I mean, I just say right now, I didn't, I mean, I didn't have the pleasure of scouting Clint or, uh, or Mitch, but to me, like, even just knowing who they are right now and, and where they came in as prospects, um, I think to me, Jalen has better physical tools and instincts than either of those guys as prospects, um, which is saying a lot. Uh, both those guys were fantastic for protectors with coverage versatility. But I look at Jalen like I don't know if he's necessarily going to be switchable. Like I think that he's had some flashes of it and he has the the, the mobility and the length and, and the lateral quickness at his size to, to be capable of doing it. Um, a lot is going to depend on consistency because I think that's the biggest thing with him right now. But um, in terms of being able to come up, play at the level or – you know, play. I mean, he can obviously play drop, but like coming up and playing at the level, playing in center field, um, I think that there's going to be real utility in how he can play. We didn't really get to see him hedge a lot when he was playing at Memphis, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be able to do that. Um, a lot more is just going to be what happens offensively for him, and I'm pretty bullish on that. I think he's an interesting case in terms of, like you mentioned, he's the youngest player in the draft. He reclassed from he was going to be in next year's draft, and reclassed up to this one. Um, He's really interesting to parse through because watching him at Montford, uh, which is just a notable draft factory. Cade Cunningham played there. Caleb Houston, who's going to get drafted this year as well, played there. A million guys, Ben Simmons. Um, but he showed really interesting passing feel. Um, I really liked some of the things we saw from him. Obviously, he was very limited offensively at Memphis, but even as the season went on, we got to see more, more of him creating on the short roll, just creating from, from the post and showing some of that passing vision and capability. A lot's just going to be how does his feel for the game and processing improve. I think um, for somebody who is this young, that's that's where it really is going to be uh, saying a positive is the wrong way to put it. But I'm I'm willing to give him a lot more leeway just considering how much younger and how much less basketball he's played than some of these other guys. Um, and given what his tools are and the instincts and flashes he's shown already, I, I'm, I'm very in on who he could be as a player. He shot 63% from the free throw line at Memphis. Um, which is not horrific. It's not great. Decent yep. amount of attempts there. Is he someone who can actually hit a jumper? Can he ever stretch out to being a, a guy that could pop to the corner, could hit a three? Um, or is he going to be like Gobert, Robinson, Capella, those guys who just never will shoot really outside of the paint? I think that he's not to say that he's going to be a better finisher than Rudy Gobert, but I think he's already shown at least more of a willingness and and ability to step out and take shots. Uh, Like, again, he took shots at at Montford, not from not from outside, but like he would take shots inside the arc. I think that a lot's going to depend on where what level um, his ability to take like like you mentioned to take those shots from from 10 to 16 feet is going to be a lot bigger for me than what he if he tries anything for three, because right now, like especially a guy who is really not taking threes at all as a college prospect. Like just the the amount of growth that would have to happen for him to be somebody that defenses even care about at the next level. I just don't really see it happening. Um, but I do think he showed enough as a, as a face-up threat where I'm really interested to be, to see what level he could get to. Like, even if you can just be like a, a 40% mid-range shooter, which is 
like slightly above average, if not right around it. Um, I think that there are flashes there that make me really encouraged by what it could be. Um, so I would say that there's there's definitely a framework there. It's just going to depend a lot on the team and the patience that they have to develop that. We've got a few more players to chat about. We'll get to them in a second. But our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Check out the odds for Game One and for the series there. Major League Basketball—not uh, basketball—Major League Baseball scores, fights, uh, the NF- NHL playoffs, and even futures for the NFL next season. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more so head to the website today that's betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online is where the game starts we talked overtime elite let's go to the g league ignite and talk about marjon beauchamp who is a 20 year old six foot six guard who's probably a late first round player i, I would say um First of all, do you agree with that, that he's going to be a first-rounder? Is it a chance that he pushes lottery or chance that he slides backwards? Where do you sort of see Beauchamp sitting to uh, in this draft process? Just based on how everything's coming out, I think I would be pretty surprised by lottery. But also with how this draft is, it's it's really hard to tell. Like it, the the talent feels pretty amalgamous from like 16 to, to 30, um, like and even into the second round too. So I think like... Marjan's range could even be into the second round. I, I, I don't know. It's just going to depend on where a team takes him. Like right now, I would be very comfortable taking him in the first round. Um, but again, like I think this draft could really surprise us, especially after the lottery and, and what happens. Yeah, to me, it's, it's really it's really flat in terms of guys standing out or you know having wide tiers in terms of where those players sit. The question, you know, when you look at his numbers, he played 37 minutes a night for the G League Ignite. He averaged 15 points, but. Couldn't hit threes, 24%. Didn't really take that many of them. Um, Never got to the line, really. Uh, Didn't hit his free throws when he got there. Rebounded really well. But, look, what what, what is he? Is he... what sort of a player is because the shooting's not good from any anywhere really, except fifty-seven percent fuel goals. Is that rim finishing? Is that where he's going to make his money in the NBA? Like, what do we look at in terms of the shooting profile? Yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's an odd one to project, and I think that all of G League Ignite is uh, somebody. I mean, not somebody. Uh, I'm trying to take the whole group with kind of a grain of salt because even last year, I think in some ways we were uh, to say that we were. Um, lucky last year is the wrong way to put it but like you had such high level prospects yeah. playing there that it like Jalen Green was going to look awesome wherever he played because he was that level prospect I think even for all the worst that he had at times as an on-ball player I think Jonathan Kaminga looked really really darn good last year as well um either of those guys would be the top guy out of out of G League Ignite this year um so I think to me looking at him and looking at everyone in general I think Jaden Hardy's a really good case of this as well it took them a while to get adjusted um, I think just especially offensively, like their offensive context overall, that roster was a lot better suited last year with the veterans that they had. I, I was pretty disappointed with how they put the roster together this year. Um, I, I don't really think they did a great service to, to the archetypes and guys that they put together. Um, but as for Marjan, like, I, like you mentioned, I mean, the shot is going to be the biggest thing because to me, I really like a lot of his ancillary skills and what he brings. I think he already brings – uh, like he's a very good athlete, especially vertically. Like you mentioned with the field goal percentage, a lot of that is getting out in transition. But he's also an awesome cutter. He's very good cutting baseline. He's just, be, I mean, he's good cutting from anywhere. Um, but is able to use his vertical pop, especially around the rim. Um, I think that I have more confidence in the shot 
and where it could go just based on some of his priors. But it's, again, it's really hard to, especially like one of the things that, that is important to bring up, like you're not shooting from the college line in this season. Like you're going from um, playing in high school or playing like he played at uh, Yakima uh, Community College last year, going into playing straight up NBA. So like, I think it's very different, especially given the, the, the level of contests that you're getting from guys. So again, I think if, it's one of the things I, I'm not trying to do like too much weightlifting for somebody, but it, you do have to like factor it in a little bit. Um, but uh, as for like just his offense overall, like he does show some really interesting stuff as a ball handler. Like he's very shifty with the ball in his hand. I don't really think that I view him as, as any kind of primary prospect, but just the wing who could maybe run secondary picking rolls or, or do some stuff with the ball in his hands uh, operating off of someone else, especially attacking closeouts. Um, I'm really interested in what that could be. But again, like like you you hit on on top, I think a lot's going to depend on where the shot's at. Defensively, he's pretty good. Um, is that going to be his NBA calling card? I mean, I think to start, yeah. Like the, the way that I try and look at it normally is what is going to keep a guy on the floor to get them reps to keep developing? Um, and I think for him, it is going to have to be defense. Like especially like he gets mocked to the Nuggets all the time. And I think in some ways that makes sense, but also – he's a guy who I think if he was with the Nuggets, like that's a team that's trying to contend right now. Like, I don't know if they have time to necessarily wait for his offense to come around or for him to be a, a viable shooter. Um, so I think a lot's just going to depend on that. But yeah, I mean, the defense is definitely going to be important for him right off the bat. Let's go on to a couple other prospects because we like to cover everyone on this show because, you know, when we hit, hit to fantasy and in, in dynasty leagues, we need to be aware of these guys. There's people who come out of nowhere and just have some background on these guys is important. So let's go to Peyton Watson, a 20-year-old six foot seven Ford from UCLA who's sort of being mocked, I guess, around the end of... Uh, I've seen the end of the first round in some places, middle of the second round in some other places. He sort of seems to be all over end of the second round in some other areas. Is he a for sure draftable guy is he a guy that becomes an undrafted free agent is like he's not he's only a freshman he's you know going to be 20 by the start of the season he's not 20 yet um he's got that prototypical size but is there is there something with some upside there for Watson is he an NBA player yeah um I mean that's the golden question right like I think to to say that Peyton Watson is the wild card of this draft would not be an undersell um because you just really don't know what to take out of this year. I mean, I think a lot is going to be important based on, you know, what, how, how does he interview? How do, how do, I mean, how does, uh, I'm sure teams are going to have a million questions about how things went as, as do I. Um, but I mean, flat out, even if there was, you know, other stuff going on, like he just struggled. He looked lost most of this year, but I think again, you're going back and looking at priors like FIBA, like, I mean, he was one of the guys coming out of Phoebe U19 that I was most excited about for this season. Like, he didn't do a ton uh, offensively, but defensively he was he was fantastic at Phoebe U19. He was still, again, very inconsistent and all over the place. But you, like you mentioned, you saw the, um, the frame, what he brings athletically. Like, I think even this year he had real good moments defensively. Like, um, in the second matchup they had, or it might have been the first matchup they had against Arizona, he really gave Benedict Matherin a lot of problems. Uh, showed some of his uh, weaknesses that he has with his handle right now. Um, and I think to me, like Peyton is somebody who I struggle with him being a second rounder in some ways. Like I think in in, in a lot of ways, it almost might be better for him to go undrafted and, and get more of a secure contract from that because he's somebody I'm really worried if he doesn't have a buy-in from a team, especially because like I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily uh, – 
think about this. Like, if you get drafted in the second round, like what a team's actual obligation is to develop you compared to what happens if you get drafted in the lottery is just so different. I mean, based on what the money is, um, based on what the actual buy-in is. And again, it goes both ways to a degree, but um, I would just be, I don't know. It, it makes it so murky because I, I don't think he's even close to being ready for, 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 for NBA time. Like he needs quite a bit of G League time before he's going to be ready to play in the league. But he also, for I mean, he was ranked number eight in the recruiting class for a reason. Um, so it's uh, it's really interesting to look at him, and I still have no real idea how to parse through that one. Yeah, you just preempted me there because I was going to say how highly he was ranked coming out of uh, out of high school, and then last look, the numbers are actually horrific when you look at how bad he played. Very bad. Thirteen minutes a night, he had a true shooting of thirty nine percent. He hit he had twenty two percent from three, thirty two percent overall. Defensively, yeah, look, point six blocks and point six steals in twelve minutes is good, um, but. You know, does that translate up? Uh, who knows? It's it was a very weird situation for Watson, but you know, with that plus four, plus five wingspan, the the small forward size, the the high school pedigree, I guess there is something there. But you know, we've seen plenty of highly rated high school guys that flop in college, never can you know, recover that when we when they head to the NBA, yeah, and will never get back to anywhere near that level. And, and maybe Watson's the next one in that line. The last guy I want to talk about, mainly, you know, his name comes up here for because he's got like that familiar name like a couple other guys towards the end of the draft, and that is Ron Harper Jr. He's 22. He's a 6'5 guard forward from Rutgers. Of course, his old man is Ron Harper. Senior, which we all, uh, we're all all well aware of who Ron Harper is, um, is a guy who's yeah, a senior, older player. He yeah, shot 40% from three on a pretty decent volume, 44% uh, attempt rate. Is there anything there to suggest... NBA rotation contributor is he getting you know a 20 spot ranking boost because of his name like is he viable at you know he, that position and that shooting to have any sort of NBA contribution yeah I think uh, I I believe in Ron Harper as a guy like I I don't I, mean, I wouldn't quibble with somebody taking him in in the back end of the second round but I also think he's probably more likely to go undrafted than anything else and then just sign a deal and see how he plays in summer league but um He's an interesting guy to gauge because especially like last year, he really burst on to me uh, as a as a as a draftable prospect early on in the year. And then his shot really fell off, especially as conference play um, kind of unfolded. And um, he I mean, he was averaging he was looking like a national player of the year candidate the first 10, 10 games at Rutgers and then kind of came down back to earth. I still think he's a quality player. But I think a lot's going to be a little bit like we talked about with EJ. Like I think he's somebody who measured even smaller than I was hoping. I think he ended up around like six four and a half, six five, when he measured at the NBA Combine. He, he does have really good length, but um, he's not somebody who has like typical athleticism. So he's not like crazy quick laterally. Um, he's not the fastest guy in general, but he is like obviously extremely strong. But I think the question just becomes how much our teams bought into somebody like six six five who is really more of a four right now like he does have some handle um he does have some ability to create out of pick and roll but also that he's just not the level of scorer or creator right now that he's going to be a guy demanding those kinds of reps in the nba so i think a lot's just going to be what can he slot into as an off-ball player and because that's something we haven't really seen from him a whole ton recently um i do think his shot getting to where it was at this year was awesome like especially off volume 39.8%, like you mentioned, like he hadn't shot higher than 35% um, for a season before then. 
he, he has like totally worked on his shot and and worked out worked and repped out some of the mechanics to make it look a lot better and, and just be more viable his free throw percentage has gotten better every year um i think that he's definitely somebody worth taking a shot on and seeing who he could be but i think it's um it's going to be very much dependent on on the team that he goes to for sure well, it'll be interesting to see whether that name recognition, I guess, means anything. It probably won't. But the mm-hmm. Im- improvement in the shooting level at least gives NBA teams something to think about, whether that's in the draft process, summer league, signing free agent, camp contracts, whatever it is. Ron Harper's a guy that you now know a little bit about. And Mark, now, you, now we're done. So thank you for coming on the show today. Now tell everybody where they can find uh, you, social media, and the work that you do. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Josh. This was great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. Um, I cover the WNBA uh, right now over at WNBA.com, doing main work over there. Uh, I cover the NBA and just basketball in general over at Basketball News. I have a Patreon, host a couple podcasts. Twitter is definitely the best place to keep up with me, though. So go and follow Mark over there if you're not already. I'm sure you'll see his work get retweeted by plenty of people over on Twitter. So go and check it out for yourself firsthand. Mark, thanks for coming on the show with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that'll do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow, as I said, to talk with Matt Lawson, NBA Dynasty ADP on Twitter. We're going to be talking dynasty value of fantasy rookies. And then we'll be back on Friday with a more more, uh, more prospect deep dives. So stay tuned for that. Follow me, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey. If you're on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Remember, I gave you a question at the start. Drop that down below as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.